turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning at verse 11. He says, about this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings and laying on hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we come to this text, we pray you would open it for us and that we might reap and that we might understand and that we might act. And so we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mother, may I Many of us have played that game, that old game in the past when children used to go outside to play games. Mother, may I? And you remember the rules. You would line up a group of kids on one side of the yard and on the other side was the child who was designated as mother. And then the line of kids would begin to ask, Mother, may I take three steps forward? And she would say, you may. May I take two steps forward, another child would say. No, but you may take one step forward, mother would say. The goal, of course, is to get to mother before everyone else. Mother, may I? Now, God expects us to be stepping forward 
in our Christian lives, in our Christian discipleship journey together. He expects us to be moving toward him. Our readers are struggling. In verse 11, we see that in chapter 5. About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. That word dull means uh, slothful or lazy or slow or sluggish. You're, you're not really taking in what I'm trying to teach you. And I have a lot to teach you, the writer is saying. And he switches to a student-teacher metaphor in verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You're, you're in need of a teacher when you should be the one who is teaching. You should be advancing in the word of God. He says the basic principles of the oracles of God. The, the basic truths of God's word, you should be passing those on and able to speak them into other lives. And yet you're always the student, never the teacher. And then he switches to a mother-child metaphor. He says, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled since he is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil. So you're in need of milk. Uh, as we know, a child grows up, he needs solid food eventually. But they're always asking or wanting, needing milk. And this speaks to the behavior, this constant practice to distinguish good and evil. So we have the student metaphor, which uh, teacher metaphor, which means they need to advance in the word and they need to become more holy, more understanding of God's will in the mother-child relationship. Now, it's a, not a very flattering picture. Imagine telling an adult <laughs> or telling a teacher Imagine going up to your teacher students and saying, you know, you really need to go back to school. Uh, I, I think I know more than you. It's not very flattering, is it? That's true. Or imagine telling an adult, you know, sir, you're behaving like a child. Your behavior is childish. Oh, that's not flattering. They were in need, once again, of learning the basic principles of God's word. In verse chapter 6, he, he outlines that. He says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine, the basic principles of Christ, and go on to maturity. It's time to grow up, he's saying. And then he gives us a series of teachings which really progress from salvation all the way to eternity. There's a progression here we can notice not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith toward God. You've already should understand this, he's saying. And of instruction about washings, laying on the hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. He's saying the basics. Not an exhaustive list, but a list. Speaking of Christianity 101, 
who Christ is and what he's done for us and what we can expect our future to be in Jesus Christ. Basic behaviors expected. He says in verse 14 of chapter 5, but solid food is for the mature. Again in chapter 6, verse 1, go on to maturity. <laughs> when you're growing in Christian faith, you have some truths to pass on to others. You have some words of the Lord to say to others, you know, I've experienced this in my own life. I've been through this. And, you know, I've, let, me, let me tell you, let me share with you, when you're growing in Christian faith, you are growing up into maturity. You know right from wrong. You don't have to be retaught what's right and wrong. You know what is good and evil, he says. And you're going to find a mother's milk is insufficient to maintain you and to grow you. You have to transition to solids to sustain your growth. I don't like milk. I don't like milk because... And you'll understand why when I say this. I grew up on powdered milk. Okay? I don't know if it was a thing back then or what, but oh my goodness. You need milk, you don't go to the store. You go to the cupboard. And they take powder down in there, mix it with water. And then here's your glass of milk, and it's like grainy and warm and so I got all my siblings and I, we, we got turned off milk. We don't, but we'll put it on our cereal with about six scoops of sugar just to hide the taste of it. I don't want to go back to milk ever. Um, I don't want to go back to milk. I don't want to go back to kindergarten. Are you always the student, never the teacher? Always the child, never the adult. When it comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And there's a warning here. It's, it's intended as a caution. Because it's going to continue on with its teaching here. Look at what he says in verse 3. This will do if God permits. That is, we're going to share some things to grow you on to maturity. Some truths are coming in chapter 7 are somewhat difficult. He says, we're going to do this. We're going to uh, have you move on and move forward here. Uh, they're going to understand more of the glories of Jesus Christ. The writer wants to impart them to them. But God doesn't expect you as a Christian to be frozen in time. At your frozen, converted to Christ, and then frozen. You're expected by the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to take steps forward in your Christian understanding, in your Christian behavior, in your Christian discipleship walk with Christ. You are to go forward. About a week or two ago, it was a horrible story. You probably saw it where some immigrants were found frozen to death. 
at the Canadian border, I think it was Saskatchewan or Manitoba. Um, just a tragic, awful thing. And to freeze, they tell us when you freeze, it, it, you sort of fall asleep. You just, you know, you might have some frostbite, you might get confused in your mind, and then you sort of go to sleep. You freeze to death. God doesn't expect us to freeze in our Christian lives, but to advance in Christian maturity, to have life, not to have life taken from you. Faith dies. It withers when you're frozen. He describes someone who has been converted to Jesus here, and Probably there's no more complete description of a Christian in the entire New Testament than we find here in chapter 6. He says in verse 4, For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, so once been enlightened, that is, opened up their minds, who have tasted the heavenly gift, the gift of God in salvation, have shared in the Holy Spirit, indwellings, but have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance once they are crucified, for they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding them up to contempt. He's saying, look, there's nothing you're going to be able to do. It's impossible for them, he says, in verse 4, it's impossible to restore them. Now, we know nothing's impossible with God. And it may well be that the author is saying that it's impossible for you to restore them, to see them back. It's going to be, have to be a God thing. But really, what the author is doing is he is using a rhetorical device here to make the hair stand up on the back of the writers here, to terrify them to death, in a sense, to really, really motivate them to move forward in Christian faith and maturity. He's really grasping hold of them and scaring them. Sort of scared straight type of Every advantage has been given, he says. God has invested everything into them, his word and his spirit. But they're frozen. And life is draining away. And they're not taking steps forward. Near where I grew up was an abandoned home. It was, no one lived there. My sister, older sister, got in her head that it was dangerous because she worried about such things and she didn't want us other siblings to be playing in the abandoned home and getting in there up to no good and exploring it out, I guess. So one day she called us together and she made up a story about the house, the abandoned house, uh, sort of a ghost story. And by the time she was done, there was no kid within a mile that would step foot on that property. 
She scared us so badly. <laughs> One of my other brothers eventually, he, he, he wanted to propose a game where the loser had to run around that house and nobody wanted to play. <laughs> she did her job well. The writer is sort of doing that in the same fashion. He's, he, he, he's just showing them how awful it would be, how scary it would be uh, to not advance in Christian faith. And much ink has been spilt over these verses. We know nothing's impossible with God. We also know how serious it is to leave him, to turn from him, to portray him. We remember Esau who sold his birthright for some stew. And he despised the worth of it and the promise of God. And later he came to realize, of course, what he'd done. And he lifted up his voice. He wept. And neither his pleas or his tears could bring back the blessing to him. Or Israel itself, who refused to go into the promised land. They heard the judgment of God, and then they wanted to go into the, the promised land, but it was too late. You want to be taking, what he's saying is you want to be going forward in Christian faith. You want to be taking steps. There was a beach near where we lived called Petawawa Point, and my parents, every time we went to the beach, they'd drive by this section and they would point out that that's where a young boy had drowned. Every time they'd say, that's where a young boy was drowned. Boy, okay, I know that. I'm not going near there. But as a parent, I'm, I, I get it now. It's a warning. Drilling it into their, our heads. Don't go near that spot. And he's saying, don't go, don't go here. You don't want to be turning back. You want to be going forward. You don't want to be lying down and frozen in faith. God's design is steady progress and maturity in life and faith of Christ. And in the, if this process is interrupted by disuse of God's word, by carelessness of his word, by by sinfulness in our lives can well be that with so much promise, so much potential, so much opportunity, so much invested in you by God, that you're going to remain a child. Childish. You're going to remain a student. Or worse, thorns and thistles. He uses that agricultural metaphor in verse 7. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. Are you a useful crop? Or, but if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed. And its end is to be burned. Which is it? And so the warning he puts before us is very much to take care. To let the hair stand up on your neck. So don't put a foot on that cursed ground. Some decision you might take, some 
neglect of God that you might embrace, some sin that you might pursue, some line that you're going to cross and God just says enough. You who were created to grow and to stretch out in your new life in Christ, to eat and put on spiritual weight, Turn your back on it, on blessings and privilege and the future that he has for us. Enough. But then God hasn't given up on them, the, right, the readers, has he? He says in verse 9 now, he has used the, the stick and now he gives the carrot, doesn't he? Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things. So he's given the warning. Now he's just going to say, look, we can do, you can do this. You're, be sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. God is seeing you. God's noticing you. And he's taking in how you're living what your choices you're making. And he's not unjust to turn away from that. And we desire each one, he says in verse 11, to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end. All of you together, church, the same earnestness to move forward. He says, so that you may not be sluggish. He repeats the word he started with in verse 11 of chapter 5 but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So keep your eyes on others if that's what you need and follow them forward, always forward. This is like saying, you know, I'm going to go to Sunday school. I'm going to take a new step. I'm going to go forward in my faith. I'm not going to do things as I've always done them. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, we've been studying giving, praying, and fasting, and things that we can do. I'm going to prepare for worship on Sundays in a new way. I'm going to be reading the Bible in a new way. I'm going to share the load at church. I'm going to take on a ministry, though I've been reluctant to do that in the past. And even if I need a refresher, Christianity 101, I'm going to pay full attention. I'm going to learn, and I'm not going to ever need it again in my whole life, because I will taken in those basic elementary principles of the oracles of God. I'll do it. And I'll move forward on the basics. And I'm, my goal is to be able to teach somebody, to speak into somebody God's word. My goal is to be an adult Christian to others with maturity and wisdom to share. And to bear a good crop for God has invested in me. To bear a good crop for others. And so Paul is really just finishes this aside before he gets into other things and more teaching. He is saying, pretty much, I believe in you. You can do this. You can grow like this. You can go forward. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 says this. It calls us that we may no longer be children 
tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. He says, speak the truth in love and we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, Christ. Peter says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says that by it, that is the word of God, you may grow up into salvation. That's God's plan for us, for his children, is to grow up, to go forward, and to be able to look behind us and say, you know what, I can't believe what I thought last year. I've grown in wisdom. and I've grown in understanding God's word and who he is. And I've experienced him in a new way. And, and I'm making a difference in lives around me. That's what God expects of us. We tell our children, don't drink coffee because it will what? Stunt your growth. Apparently that's not true, but mm, it's a good thing to say, I guess. Saves on coffee bills. <laughs> I looked up some things that stunt your growth. They say lifting weights stunts your growth. So that's why I don't do it anymore. Here's one that I wasn't too happy about. Microwave popcorn stunts your growth. Whoa. Who knew? Your growth will be stunted if you're not growing up, if you're not growing in his word, and if you're not growing in his ways, your, your growth will be stunted. Oh, you want to be in a spiritual nursery for your whole life? Or worse, even found lifeless? Let this not be us. Let it be said of us, he says, better things, better things, verse 9. Salvation, work, love, service, earnestness, he says, full assurance of hope, better things. And in a way, it's like we're all lined up this morning. Father, May I? Father, may I take three steps forward? Yes, you may, he says. May I take two steps forward? Yes, you may. Yes, he'll always say yes to moving forward. Yes, he says, always yes. Come all the way to the Father. Come to me, those who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me, those who are on the Lord's side. Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast down. And he spoke of some, he said, yet you refuse to come to me, that you may have life. Step forward in Christian life, in your life, something you can do even this week to put one foot in front of the other towards maturity, growing wisdom and maturity in Christ. Further on, 
and further in, further up, and all the way to glory. Father, may I? Yes. Yes, you may. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you of your expectation on our life. And thank you how you enable us and empower us by your spirit. You are for us, not against us. You want us to go forward. You've given to us your spirit and your word and each other. We pray, Lord, that we might not be careless of our privilege, be careless of your investment into our lives and all that you've blessed us with. We pray that each one here might grow to full maturity, that we together as the church at People's Church would grow up in every way, pleasing in your sight as adults, even seniors in the faith, seniors in wisdom, uh, seniors in the experience of your grace and your mercy, well-practiced in understanding right and wrong, good and evil, pursuing that which is righteous and holy. We thank you, Father. Help us this week to step up, step forward, and to hear your invitation. Yes. Yes, you may. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.